With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. Hey, Keith. How was your weekend? You know, it's it was it was Oscar-tastic. It was, did, you, <laughs> did you have like an Oscar party? It was a party of one on the couch. No. <laughs> I mean, my my baby husband, my baby, and my mother-in-law were all there, but they were all trying to stay away from me, concentrating <sighs> on the award show. Oh, that's right. Because well, Did you have to work, work yeah, for yeah. it for Billboard? Okay. Yes. If you see the best and worst moments of the show on Billboard.com, that was written by Katie Atkinson. And you are the perfect person to have on as a guest this week on the Pop Shop. I am. I'm officially the best and worst moment expert for Billboard.com. Well, luckily enough, since you're here, uh, we'll be talking about the Oscars because the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop. That wasn't a very good segue for all (laughs) things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we're discussing all things Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, who won? <laughs> Lady Gaga took home her first Academy Award on Sunday night. Yes, Gaga, yes. Yeah, pop shop friend, yes. Lady Gaga. So we'll be talking about what we hope ne- is next for the diva. And now that she has won both an Oscar and a Grammy, we'll be chatting about how we think she can become an EGOT winner. Of course, that is an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Mm. <laughs> Plus, we've got Alba chart news about Ariana Grande and Drake and superstar single debuts on the Billboard Hot 100 from Cardi B and Bruno Mars and Zed and Katy Perry. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Podcast. And now let's talk Oscars. Yes. So should we just dive right in here? Yes. Um, we can now say forever. D- dive into the deep end? Yeah. Let's dive. We are far from the shallow. Mm. Um, because we can now say forever and for always, Academy Award winner Lady Gaga has a has a really good ring to it. I, I, I tweeted that last night. And, you know, at first I was like, yes, Gaga, yes. And then I'm like, <laughs> just the simple tweet of Academy Award winner Lady Gaga. Yes. Like, you will be forever introduced as like, no longer you're just like nine-time Grammy Award winner, but now you are Oscar winner Lady Gaga. You know, and, and I'm sure that was running through her mind, honestly, as well, because she had a very emotional reaction to it. My, my brother-in-law was also at my Oscar party <laughs> on Sunday night. And he was like, is she crying? 
crying? And I'm like, yeah, she's crying. Yes. She just won an Oscar. It's her first Oscar. Well, what did she win the Oscar for, She Katie? won for Best Original Song for co-writing Shallow from A Star Is Born with Mark Ronson, Anthony Rosamondo, and Andrew Wyatt. She joins previous Oscar winners who have not only earned a number one album on the Billboard 200 and a number one single on the Hot 100, but have also won an Oscar like uh, Eminem, Adele, Phil Collins, Elton John, Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, and Prince. People forget, I think, that Prince won an Academy Award. He won for, I think the name of the category was Best Original Song Score for Purple Rain. For the Original movie Purple Song Rain. score. Was it did they combo the two? It, they had I think they had two different score categories, and I think one was for like musical movies mm. and Purple Rain was up against like another two musicals that year, but I don't think anyone remembers what they were. I was kind of thinking last night, especially when um Black Panther won for best score, I was kind of thinking about you know, it would be interesting if the Oscars had a best soundtrack album category. And I know that's the Grammys. It's not exactly Oscar territory, but like it does leave out like A Star is Born didn't get nominated for, you know, score, but it, they didn't exactly have a score. It was more like a soundtrack. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Point. There actually is a carve out within the Oscar rules. I don't have them in front of me because this was not scripted. Um, <laughs> if I think that if there are enough musical um, musical films eligible in a particular year, they can have a category that is like a musical score. Um, so, but there has to be a certain number out of there. competitors. Basically. Yeah. So, like, if you had a really robust year, where it was like The Greatest Showman in Chicago, and A Star Is Born, which used to happen all the time because there used to be like a dozen movie musicals a year. Or Sound something. of Music and Classic Anti-Mame Hollywood. or whatever. Yeah, no, actually, yeah. Anti Mame. That's a drama. But anyway, um, <laughs> but there has to be enough of those to actually warrant it, which is kind of like the. Um, some of the craft categories where it's like hair and makeup there's only three nominees because yeah, yeah. only so many are technically eligible so right. yeah it could that could happen i'm glad i asked that question because keith literally had the answer i was hoping for so yeah google google, google the if you just look up academy award uh, rules somewhere in the music section it has a carve out for that that's interesting yeah. well um let's let's get back to the shallow at hand here what did you think of that performance i thought um well, there was a I, I well okay lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> I thought it was very smart of the producers of the show to stage the performance in a way where the traditional introduction of a performance, which can take like thirty seconds, because it's like, and now please welcome to introduce our next best song nominee, Katie Casey Atkins, Musgraves, Casey Musgraves. Right. Then, then she takes like four seconds to walk out. Yep. She's like. You know, this movie is special, 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 blah, 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 blah. Camera pans over. That's like 30 seconds of There was none of that for this one. So that 30 seconds was basically trimmed out. That chatter was trimmed out. And it basically, it was given way to the song itself to have a longer presentation. So I think that way we actually got, like if you watch the show, hopefully you watch the Oscars. They came out of a commercial break. The camera was at the back of the stage facing the audience, moving in, and you saw a bunch of stagehands on stage finishing setting up something, but you didn't know what they were doing, right. and they all ran off, and then you hear this strum, 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 you know, bit. And you're like, oh, shallow. Maybe they're going to do something like they're presenting, like they're going to talk about how it's a Best Picture nominee. 
They all leave stage. And then emerging from the audience. There's, you know, Gaga and Bradley Cooper. So what what happened was in the amount of time where we normally get the introduction, it actually gave us that sort of kind of a longish preamble to the song because it has a kind of a long instrumental bit at the beginning. Um, In fact, I think they actually did sort of the full basically the full length of the song right and we were worried that it was gonna somehow be truncated in a weird fashion but yeah. and you, you mentioned staging that's what i spoke about in my little blurb for the best and worst moments like to me it was like perfectly staged in the sense that we all got kind of a preview of this performance with the video from vegas of mm-hmm. bradley joining lady gaga on stage at her residency and one of my complaints looking at that was, you know, you miss Jackson Maine having a guitar in his hands and it seemed like Bradley felt a little awkward. Like, what do I do up here kind of thing from that Vegas video? And I also was worried, oh, is Gaga going to be by the, behind the piano again? Because that felt like she kind of disconnected from him when she right. was behind the piano. Meanwhile, they fixed all of that by having them come up to the stage together. She stares lovingly at him while he sings his first verse. She sits down at the piano, but then he eventually sits down and joins her. And then that brings this closeness, physical closeness and like, you know, just intimacy for this whole performance. I thought it was, it could not have been better. It was, it was a great, great staging. Yes. Um, And yeah, if you watch, if you find on Twitter, evidently they they got a second standing ovation. I saw that. You Chris saw that? Gardner from THR was oh, the that one was who Chris tweeted that. that. He was in the crowd, and he's like, I've never seen this before at any other Oscars. When Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper came back into the audience from backstage during, during a commercial. commercial break, the crowd gave them yet another standing ovation, which he captured on video. So you can see that on Chris's it was, Twitter feed. It was just um, a great execution of the song. And yeah, I mean, you know, after all that talk about how, you know, allegedly all the song nominees are going to be whittled down to just 90 second performances, um, I actually, you know, was curious. I'm like, how long are these performances? So I pulled out my my iPhone stopwatch um, and I timed each of the performances. Uh, By the way, only four out of the five nominated songs were performed. All the stars from Black Panther was not performed. Um, I was thinking, I don't know who you would have possibly had perform that song like in their stead. It's not like putting Bette Midler up there, you know, <laughs> like you're going to get like a different that, rapper to that, do Kendrick's verse. I'm sure Kendrick would be like, no, you're not. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of which, you know, we we recorded the show last week when we thought all five were being performed. And then later on in the week, it was revealed that all the stars <laughs> could not be performed. And we also thought some awards were going to get announced during the commercials when we recorded, but that ended up changing as well. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, well, uh, yes, but we did not actually say that in the show. Oh, because Keith did some expert editing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we fixed that. Mm. Um, anyway, well, so I timed the performances. Shallow, and this is not including any of the introductions. It's just the actual performance of the song. And these are not perfectly exact. Shallow was about three minutes and 40 seconds in total. Okay, I'll fight. Um, from RBG was about two minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, Where the Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins Returns was about 2.25. And When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs was about two minutes. And all of those are shorter than the full soundtrack versions heard in their films, but Shallow is pretty close to the full-length version. Like all the parts that you need to hear, like the two verses, ah, and, you know, all those parts are there. Yes. Um, And the other ones, you know, you might miss some of the song, but you still got the gist of it. But I think when you compare all the performances, three out of the four were, oh, this is expected. Mm. And the fourth one, Shallow, had a very 
you felt it was a more special performance. Yeah. For some, I don't know. The, don't Osc- know. the Academy understood what they had there. I mean, it's total lightning in a bottle, like first and only TV It'll performance. It'll never happen again. It will never happen again. Another thing I said on my piece is like, if this is the last time we see Jackson Maine and Allie on stage together, it was a pretty great farewell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, as we already talked about, you know, all the stars from Black Panther was not nominated. Um, not performed. Yes. Sorry. God, of course it was, it was nominated. definitely nominated. <laughs> um, you know, considering the staging they gave Shallow, I wonder what they would have done for All the Stars. Yeah, they, all the Stars would have been really cool. That, got, might have gotten the two minutes of that 340 given to Gaga Cooper <laughs> instead. Well, no. I mean, I'm. <laughs> I, you know, I would like to think that they probably had that particular staging of Shallow in mind from the jump. Yeah. And that when they had to perhaps put in the other nominees that were not because initially it was just going to be all the stars in shallow and then they went in and added the other three the other three clearly had shorter performances so maybe like shallow ultimately didn't get trimmed that much maybe a yeah. little bit came off and maybe part of their i don't know who knows but if if their original intent was to do all the stars and shallow and considering what they did give us with shallow then they probably had something really cool in mind for all the stars but maybe they needed to shorten it more for the broadcast and maybe logistically and timing wise, it just wasn't going to work out. Right. I don't even know if Kendrick was actually at the Oscars. I know SZA was, but I don't know if Kendrick was Oh, there. I didn't even know SZA was there. I asked Twitter and someone immediately showed me a picture on Instagram of SZA being there. <laughs> Proof of life. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I just should have Googled because I'm a dummy. Um, well, Gaga won two, well, two, one of her two nominations this year. She actually lost uh, Best Actress, which she was nominated for, for A Star Is Born to Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. More on that a little bit later. Um, more importantly, Katie, how can Gaga get the EGOT, the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony? Doesn't It feels like, as we were talking about this a little earlier, it feels like the Oscar is the is the most challenging one to get. Fewer, cate- fewer categories. Well, it's more challenging to, well, I think it's challenging to get in general, obviously. Yeah. That's why That's why we have an Unless entire... Unless you're Mahershala Ali. Sure. Um, <laughs> just do a movie and then you're and you like, win. first two out, you get them. <laughs> um, I, think, I think it's the hardest for a musician to get, probably. Mm-hmm. And because, and especially if you're not an actor. Since it's a songwriting award, well, too. Well, I mean, in, unless you're an actor who also sings. So, like, if you're, like, a Will Smith, like, it's conceivable that Will Smith will win an Oscar one day, you know, like, because he acts and sings on the regular. Right. I mean, though he doesn't really do much music anymore. But, you know, if you're a musician by trade and you mostly just do music, then the chance of you getting an Oscar, pretty slim. And also, it's hard to get an Oscar. There's just fewer categories. And, I mean, unless you're also, like, designing, you know, doing production design and costumes on the side or, like, producing live-action shorts. So it's like she she has the Oscar now. Got it. That's the hardest one. Right. And so... Got the Grammys. Got many Grammys. Got the Gram. Got lots of Grammys. Good on Grammys. Uh, Nominated for three Emmys already. Like she has not won them, but she's been nominated three times at the Emmys. Were they? They were like for TV specials. Yes, it was for her special with Tony Bennett. Cheek to cheek. It was for the Super Bowl halftime, and it was for a Monster Ball tour special. So that seems plausible, right? It's like okay, she's got the momentum in the Emmy nominations. Maybe the shallow performance will be nominated for an Emmy. Oh, there we go. Exactly. Who knows? Mm, And then it's like. Like Tony, we we've already talked about like she can't she can't just do a one woman show like Bruce Springsteen or whatever. We've yeah, talked you, about that. You, you could can't win get like Tony for that. You exactly. can get an honorary like you can get a non competitive Tony like a special award, yeah. but that's that does that's not really a proper egot. So like, what's the Broadway musical that Lady Gaga can pop into real quick? 
sure, real quick. These like, things take no like commitment. A, like one month stint. Oh, dear. You know, as Dolly in Hello, Dolly or something. That worked for Bette Midler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who was on the Oscars. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, I think, you know, what could she, could she do, um, well... <laughs> I mean, a revival of something. If Bette Midler did a revival of Hello, Dolly, you know, and that was, it got all the, it was much ballyhooed and it won Bette Midler a Tony Award. Yeah. You know, could, what revival could Gaga do? Um, maybe is it a revival of Funny Girl? Uh, I mean, she's followed in Barbara's footsteps before. Star is born. Um, <laughs> but I was, I, I mean, I think Funny Girl, you, the character is a little bit younger. Mm. Like she's like maybe a, teenager young 20s not i mean i know i yeah young 20s but i mean like barb when barbara did funny girl she was younger than yeah, gaga yeah, yeah. is now because gaga's like 30 i mean you could argue that her playing Allie, who was also supposed to be like you know mm. kind of you know not gaga is I mean, she hasn't gotten started yet kind so of i mean that's plausible yeah um or maybe she just you know gets like cast in like a great supporting role for like a a play that has a limited run. Um, you know what she needs is like the equivalent of like King George in Hamilton. <gasps> oh yeah. Like she needs that, but like, like where it's like literally one show stopping song. You, you just choose some scenery. She pops in for like a month doing one show stopping moment. And she, that's what she needs. She needs that for a woman. Yeah. But see, you could never, I mean, maybe with Lady Gaga, you could orchestrate something where, you're only in something for a month. Yeah. But I mean, when Bette Midler did Hello, Dolly, she was locked into that thing for like eight months or a year. Yeah, and like between Gaga's Vegas residencies, plural, and whatever else she has planned, like she, her dance card's pretty full already, so this would be a while. Yeah. I mean, but it's a long game. She does it. The thing that's... Is it really? John Legend already did it. <laughs> I mean, it can be a long game. He won a Tony, though, for producing... Like a play. Ooh, so there's Gaga's in. Produce something. There we go. She could produce something in a second, aka like throw wads of cash at it. <laughs> she 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 could also like write some new music. Yeah. You know, oh, or, like a lyrics. juke. Well, not necessarily mm-hmm. the Lady Gaga jukebox musical, but like something like Elton John has done right on uh, Broadway. He did. He did Aida. Yeah. Exactly. Like I don't he, think he won for that though. No. Hmm. But he, I think he may have been, I mean, but he has done such a thing. Yeah. It was like him and Tim Rice, maybe? Yeah. I think after the line. Yeah. I yeah. Know, I'm saying it in a very low key because I'm not really I sure. I think all that sounds exactly right. Okay. So <laughs> clearly an EGOT is possible. Yes. Feels like the Emmy is like going to be in the bag soon enough. Who knows? Like Enigma Live. She's got to be strategic Vegas. about her Tony. Um, It's the Tony yeah. that you need to be strategic about. But I mean, Cindy Lauper has a Tony. She wrote yeah. the, the, she wrote. Kinky Boots. For Kinky Boots. Um. Yeah, Duncan Sheik. In fact, uh, <laughs> uh, the only thing uh, uh, Cindy Lauper is is only a Oscar away from an EGOT. Oh well. So a, now, next Pop Shop episode, strategizing Cindy Lauper's uh, friend of the podcast, Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Um. Okay. So beyond this EGOT plan, what do we want to see be, generally from beyond awards? Planning. Lady Gaga coming up. Like, okay. So sh- new album. Sure. Another movie. Yeah. Another tour. Of course. Um, are we all just going to go to Vegas and see the residency, which unfortunately is not playing during the Billboard Music Awards? I checked. <laughs> is, is the piano jazz one running? Nope. Oh, unfortunate. No dates in May. At, or no, no, no dates in early May. There is a date like at the very end of May, but mm. sky's the limit for Gaga right now. Is the point? I mean, I don't. I, 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 I've already checked. She has nothing in her IMDb film-wise that's coming. So unless they're about to announce something, I don't know what's coming. 
Um, I'm very sorry to interrupt, but I'm very curious to see what the next Gaga film looks like, because obviously this one was she was so incredible in it. But also, as many people have written and talked about, it wasn't hugely far off from her own life story. And so it's like, what will she shine in next as an actress? You know, and does it have to be music based or, you know, I I think she can handle something that's not. But like, what does that look like? It's, you know, when you start off so big Mm -hmm. with something that a lot of people will immediately say, oh, well, it was just it was the perfect fit for you. Jennifer Hudson and Dreamgirls. Yeah. You know, and yeah. she's had a hard time recapturing that moment. You know, so you have to be really strategic with your next pick. Yeah. So just don't do anything that comes down the road. So like maybe you do a really, a really great, you you do like a, a really juicy like supporting scene 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 stealing role in like a like a like a drama or something where you come in and you pull like some crazy like Mariah Carey moment in Precious. I was something. thinking like Judy Dench. <laughs> you come in for like two minutes and you're like a queen we, we of were, some we nature. We were very di- di- <laughs> divergent with those two. You know, or maybe, you know, you have, you are like sort of the toast of Hollywood right now mm. Well, you and Olivia Coleman. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, do you use all these like sort of newfound film connections and Hollywood connections to parlay that into like you can have your pick of amazing scripts and moments now. Or she could even, like, develop her own script if she's got an idea, and now she has the capital, like, the social and professional capital to use to make that happen. She she can be the next, you know... um uh, the the name of the woman whose name I just forgot who (laughs) does... Nicole Kidman and the other lady, and they have the TV series. Reese Witherspoon? Reese Witherspoon, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm like, is he talking about Reese Witherspoon? <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, who, you know, now, you know, produce movies. You know, oh, Drew yeah. Barrymore produces movies. And they're, you know, she could be part of that, you know, which is very appropriate for Lady Gaga. You know, a trailblazing woman, like, making sort of, you know, production decisions and calling the shots. Yep. But also maybe, like, getting to pick the own movie that she wants to do, and she helps sort of guide it. Yep. Call us, Gaga. We've got we've got ideas. Okay, so what other things did we love about the Oscars aside from Lady Gaga? Because there was, you know, it was a three hour and twenty something minute show. You we know. did not miss Kevin Hart. Yeah, no, <laughs> not him specifically, but just like the host. It, you know, you didn't need a host. You didn't need a host. As it turns out. I was okay with that if, host. If you're concerned about how, how are you going to open the show? How are you going to get the crowd warmed up? Um, How about you have Queen, Queen sing their two biggest stadium, you know, anthems of all time and then follow it up with three of the funniest women in Hollywood, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, doing a pseudo monologue, like rattling off like, you know, topical jokes. We're just going to stand here long enough so that people who get USA Today tomorrow morning will think that we hosted the Oscars. And I mean, they didn't even, it was like they they rattled off punchlines that had no jokes. It was hilarious. It was was basically like them doing a abbreviated sort of Golden Globe opening exactly that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler have done so incredibly well and then it went right into them announcing Best Supporting Actress it was like so brisk and so like perfectly executed the whole thing and you know maybe that's the way you do it like maybe maybe they're just like you know what maybe we don't need to like hire a host and pay them extra money and have all this rehearsal and the ratings actually went up this year. Uh-huh. And you need well-placed presenters in general because obviously they set the tone, the three ladies did, but then I was obsessed with uh, Melissa McCarthy and Brian Tyree Henry presenting I, costume. I, I, I loved seeing um, 
um, uh, Daniel Craig and Charlize Theron together yes. as sort of like sort of two badass like action hero yes. types. Yes, I loved Aquafina and John Mulaney. Oh, that together. was really good. They were great together. I mean, you know, when you have all these, you have really perfect pairings of people who are professional actors yeah. who can read lines, do funny moments. They are in their element, and it's, maybe even develop their own punchlines yeah. and, and skits and stuff. I'm sure Aquafina and John Mulaney don't get handed a dumb script ahead of time. They're like. What are we going to do that's funny that's on brand to us, right. you know? And, you know, also just when you just have, you know, glamorous people together. Like, uh, wasn't it, was it Chris Evans and Jennifer Lopez? Were they together? That sounds right. Sure. And Chris Evans also got a lot of Twitter love for walking Regina King that's up right. the stairs in her a, a challenging dress. dress. Um, and also, if <laughs> you know, if 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 you were upset that um, um, Crazy Rich Asians was not nominated for, I think, anything this year... You got to see a lot of those stars on stage. Michelle Yeoh presented, Aquafina Con- presented. Did Constance Wu present too? I don't think I saw her. Okay. But maybe she did and I missed it. Almost every member, it seems like, from Black Panther was there either in the audience or on stage at some point. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I and I and I checked. The, the show was three hours and 22 minutes. Um, it was the, it was a half hour longer last year that's so wild to me because it felt like they didn't really cut off any of the acceptance speeches except for like i think there was one that time i heard the music maybe yeah. one or once or twice yeah I, I, it's just crazy to me like it felt like people had like luxurious speeches and mm-hmm. yet they still went under time well they, they didn't do this? they didn't go under time well they went a half hour less than last year yeah. That's crazy. That's what happens when you don't have a host. Yeah. You know, you have like, like eating up monologue and bits in between and yeah. whatever. And it was actually the shortest Oscar since 2012. And um, as we noted, the ratings actually were up a little bit, not mm-hmm. by a ton. And, you know, there's still people, you know, people should be still legitimately worried about the ratings in general. But I would imagine folks that produced the Oscars were probably happy with the morning after, you know, yes. in terms of how the show was run. You know, I mean, there were a couple like small snafus, like, you know, they started to play off the green book winners at the end when they wanted to like say thank you to Carrie Fisher. Which was crazy. It was interesting that clearly his mic got caught, cut off in house, but on TV, but on TV we could hear it. Yeah. That was interesting. I love Julie Roberts saying, apparently that's the end of the show. Uh, Like, Ooh, I saw also green book was kind of a surprise win. Um, but anyway, crash, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Remember Jack Nicholson presenting uh, Best Picture of the Year that Crash and Brokeback were both up, Brokeback mm. Mountain, and he opened up the envelope, and he paused, and he said, Crash. <laughs> and the audience was like, oh! <laughs> much in the same way when Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> Ooh, great THR article, by the way, on that. Did you see it? The oral history of when. Yeah, of the awards like um, campaign oh, that, between the two Saving Private Ryan and, and um, Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare in Love, which, yeah. Which, of course, the campaign was from Harvey Weinstein. And now something. that people can speak freely about Harvey Weinstein, because <laughs> if they had printed that two years ago, would have looked a lot different. Um, other <laughs> other highlights. I, I love seeing Olivia Coleman win for Best Actress for The Favorite. Um, she was just so just so wonderful on stage with what appeared to be an improvised speech. Clearly mm-hmm. stunned that she won because I think everyone assumed that Glenn Close was mm-hmm. going to win for The Wife, and Glenn Close didn't. But of course, Olivia Coleman made sure to shout out Glenn Close yes. in a very loving way from the stage. And Lady Gaga. Um, and Lady Gaga, which was funny. <laughs> um, if you haven't, have you seen The Favorite? Uh, no, and I would love to. It's it's 
great. It's not necessarily what you think you might be expecting. That's good. So tell me no more than that. No. Because I love to not know things going into a movie. But it, it was just, it was uh, delicious, but also dark and um, just witty and sharp. Um, and just three, I mean, all the performances are great, but like anchored by three uh, really great performances, Olivia Coleman, yeah. um, uh, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. Yeah, I'm super happy Regina King won, but I did hear like rumblings that Rachel Weisz was like really in the hunt for that, oh. for that supporting actress one too. Um, Black Panther winning for best score was great for Luke Vickorenson. Indeed. Um, Spike Lee winning his first competitive That's, Oscar. That was one of my favorites. Uh, first of all, Samuel L. Jackson presented that award. Perfect. It was incredible. He was so pumped when he opened up the envelope and then Spike Lee literally ran into his arms and Samuel L. Jackson scooped him up like a tiny little child and it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's great. <laughs> okay, well, that is the end of our Oscar chat and end of our show. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have some chart news. Truly, we do. Um, first up, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next album holds at number one for a second week on the Billboard 200 chart. While the set's single, Seven Rings, spins a fifth week at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Now, last week, uh, Grande made history as the first woman and only the second act ever to hold the numbers one, two, and three spots on the Hot 100 with Seven Rings, Break Up With Your Girlfriend, I'm Bored, and Thank You Next, respectively. Uh, This week, those songs sit at numbers one, eight, and and the reason all those songs did so well last week was because they were all benefiting in the first week of the album's release. Mm. Um, who was the other act that did this? Oh, just the Beatles. That's all. Just the Beatles. Even Ariana was stunned by that. Yeah, when she tweeted, she's like, I thought this was a joke. <laughs> she's like, I thought this chart that you tweeted, that was a joke. It's like some fan fiction meme. Yeah. It's like, did you all Photoshop something? Yeah. Like, nope, we didn't. Um, as the Thank You Next album holds a number one on the Billboard 200, uh, the album becomes the first by a solo woman to notch more than just one week at number one in over a year. The last to do so was Taylor Swift's Reputation in January of 2018, when it clocked its fourth and final non-consecutive week at number one. I go into this a little bit deeper online in my story, so um, go find my story about Ariana Grande having her second week at number one. Um, I published it on Sunday. Um, it's really actually interesting to see just how male-dominant like the past year has mm. been on the album chart, where barely any women have been number one. Yes, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper were number one, but outside of that, you had single weeks at number one for Sweetener from Ariana, Cardi B's Invasion of Privacy, um, Carrie Underwood's um, uh, Cry Pretty, and uh, Camila's Camila Cabello's Self-Titled. Otherwise, it's just been like, Sausage Fest at number one. Sorry. <laughs> so to speak. It's just been tons and tons of solo men or groups where the groups were entirely men. Mm-hmm. Like BTS. Gaga with a man. Five Seconds of Summer, you know, right. that sort of thing. Yep. So go read more about that. Also on the Billboard 200, another man, Drake. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> uh, Drake uh, debuts with his 10-year-old mixtape, So Far Gone. It enters at number five. Uh, the album actually debuts following its commercial and streaming release on February 15th. Now, back in 2009, it was released as a free album, you know, as mixtapes are generally. And at the time, our album charts only housed commercially released titles. So basically, So Far Gone was not released by back in 2009, so it didn't chart on our charts. Uh, So Far Gone is actually Drake's 10th top 10 album in total. All 10 of his chart entries have 
debuted in the top 10 and have obviously reached the top 10. Weird side note, So Far Gone has actually charted before, sort of, kind of. So back in 2009, after So Far Gone's initial free release, a couple months later, they took, they, his label, Young Money, Cash Money, through Republic, took five of the songs from the So Far Gone mixtape and two new songs and packaged them in an EP called the So Far Gone EP. They released it commercially, and that debuted in the top 10 on the Billboard 200. That was his first commercially released album in the United States and his first top 10 album. Ever since then, all the subsequent albums have debuted at number one, except for this new So Far Gone mixtape. So he's had 10 top 10s. Eight of those have been number ones. Two were just top 10, and both of those were permutations of the same thing, So Far Gone. And I'll add that uh, the reason it's taken a while for it to actually hit streaming services is because he had to clear both samples and uh, production, like pay for production that wasn't, you know, paid for back then. So when you have mixtapes, you don't have to get permission. He had to get Kanye's permission, specifically. Was Kanye the holdup? There was a sample from a Kanye track? Well, Kanye tweeted like a month or two ago, like um, when he was mad at Drake. And I don't know where they lie now, although I do know that they, you know, at least made this business deal work and was kind of like laughing about Drake asking permission to release this when they had this other side personal beef about unrelated things. So he kind of was putting Drake on blast. Oh, you're going to ask me to do this when you're not respecting my wife or whatever the deal was at the time. Well, you can say no. Blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's when it kind of leaked that Drake was trying to trying do something. Trying to do something. Was something so far gone. The, and we're like, oh, 10th anniversary. Yeah. So Kanye. That worked. So I, I wonder, was it easier? Because he has other samples on there. Like he samples Billy Joel on a track, I think. Wow. Um, so maybe it was easier to get Billy Joel than Kanye. I think it's possible. Pro- possible. Billy Joel has a price tag. Kanye holds a grudge. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. All right. So lastly, a couple big collaborations arrive on the Billboard Hot 100. Cardi B and Bruno Mars uh, debut at number five with Please Me. And Zed and Katy Perry's 365 starts at number 86. A little bit lower than number five. Uh, Please Me is the 16th top 10 for Mars and the 7th for Cardi. Uh, by the way, they had a previous top 10 together when they did the remix of Bruno's Finesse. Um, I don't know. Which one do you like better, Finesse or Please Me? Um, I have not had enough time with Please Me to answer that question yet. I think initial, initial, For me, a first Finesse blush, hit me finesse. like out, it was out of the park for me. The first time I heard it, it the, the new Jack Swing it's like, but if you reference. Like, if you like Finesse, you'll like Please Me. Yeah. But Please Me is more, certainly more rap and hip hop and Cardi. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if, I mean, come on, it's just, they're like chocolate <laughs> and peanut butter. Yes, perfect. Um, meanwhile, 365 is the lucky 13th chart hit for Zed and the 30th Hot 100 hit for Katy Perry. All right, now, keeping with the charts theme, let's do the chart stat of the week, but with an Oscar twist. Hi, kids. Do you like Primus? Yeah, Want to yeah. see me stick nine-inch nails to each one of my eyelids? Uh-huh. Want to copy me and do exactly like I did? Twenty years ago this week, Academy Award winner Eminem made his Hot 100 debut with "My Name Is." The track debuted at number 79 on the February 27, 1999, dated Hot 100 chart. The tune peaked at number 36, and it was the first of his so far 73 chart hits, and 46 of those were top 40 charting hits. One of those top 40 hits, "Lose Yourself." won Eminem the Oscar for Best Original Song in 2003. Uh, The song, which was written for the movie 8 Mile, which was inspired by Eminem's life, uh, and 
it also starred <laughs> Eminem, was the first rap song to win the Oscar for original song. Sadly, Eminem did not show up to the Oscars that year to perform or accept the award, though one of his two co-writers on the track accepted the award on stage. Katie, do you remember who presented the Best Original Song Oscar that year and thus could have had a moment on stage giving Eminem mm, an Academy Award? No, I don't. So okay, I... Was, Hint, it was a previous winner in the song category. Legend. Legendary. I mean, the first... Well, legendary. Are we talking like Babs? Are we back to Barbara? Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand presented Best Original Song. She loves showing up to the Oscars. Man, she got a standing <laughs> O the other night. I mean, she's She Barbara. just walks out and everyone stands up. <laughs> she's Barbara. Didn't even say anything. Led by Richard E. Grant, I'm sure, uh, in the front yes. few rows. <laughs> yes. Well, so there you have it. 20 years ago this week, future Oscar winner Eminem made his Hot 100 debut with My Name Is. Hi, my name is what? My name is Okay. Any parting words, Katie? Oh, man. Uh, what's the next awards show, Keith? <laughs> the only award show that matters. The next one is the Billboard Music BBMA's Awards. BBMA's May 1st. May 1st. <laughs> live, live, live from Vegas, live Vegas, from Vegas. Vegas. We might be Wednesday. There. Don't forget. It's a Wednesday this year, y'all. Don't forget. I, I can't remember the last time it was on a day that wasn't a Sunday. Uh, not since I've worked here. Oh, actually, a long time ago... Back in the 90s when it was still on Fox, it used to be on a weird weekday. Mm. Definitely was. But I, yeah, I mean, not in recent memory has it been on a day that wasn't Sunday. Yeah. So yeah, awards. Uh, we're, we're out of the film award season. I Heart Music or I Heart Radio Music Awards are on March 14th. They just announced the ACM Awards. Those must be coming up Those soon. Those are in April. I guess that would be the next one. There will be one a month for the next few, but nothing like what we've just been through. Nothing like the gauntlet we have just completed. Nothing, nothing like nothing like February and March and people's <laughs> award season calendars. What song should we go out on? Oh man, uh, 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 Barbara, don't rain on my parade. <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. Don't. Me not to fly, I simply got to if someone takes a spin.